miss somebody. Remember watching that your sitcom, your favorite sitcom when you were a kid, and they would do that one episode when the kid got bullied, and all of a sudden you knew it was going to be a serious episode. Yeah. Well, we have to do one of those today. Okay. Yeah. So today <laughs> we're going to tackle a pretty serious issue, and uh, heads up, it is that serious issue for a normally uh, comedy podcast. But uh, you know, in light of recent news, it's probably time that we put our platform to work and uh, have a talk. So today we ask ourselves the question: Do Black Lives really matter? All right, man. So we haven't a, done this for a while. Yeah, it's been quite some time, and yeah. I have missed this like a lot. This is like one of those cathartic things for me, where yeah. I get to like sit down and be like, "I'm gonna air. I'm just gonna just breeze out, you know." And the like, airing of grievances, exactly. Festivus. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so how you been? I'm pretty good. Lots of life changes uh, since we did the podcast last. Bought a house, um, quit my job. Just a lot of interesting things going on, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But like you know, Eric has all the job prospects, and he's a great guy. If you might there's listening. Amazing comms, professional. I vouch for him 100%. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. He keeps it 100. Oh, I yeah. try my best. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, you know what? Uh, despite having everything be decent, like everything's good for me right now. Everything yeah. seems to be good for you right now. Um, things are looking up. Things but. are looking up. Yep. Unless, of course, you are a young black man or a police officer because this whole last week has been nothing but just tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been a nightmare. And... and uh, now, um, you know, we are at a point in our country right now where things are coming to a head and it's about to get really ugly. I mean, you have members of Congress threatening the president and other you know, former members of Congress threatening via Twitter uh, uh, black people and the president. It's just not it's not a good look for our country. And so we really should jump into that and have a talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're a black man. I'm a white man. I mean, you grew up D.C. Yeah. I grew up in the deep south outside of Atlanta. Um, this is something that off the podcast we've had different discussions about and you know matters of race and things like that and actually the first podcast we ever did i think was fixing race relations yeah. we go into <laughs> yeah so but typically we try to keep the podcast a little lighter but and clearly we failed yeah well so. in light of this week man i don't think there's any other choice but to sit down and say let's talk about this and find out you know what, what can we learn from this and what does it really say about america with you know a potential trump presidency on the rise like what, what what's going on to have an inarticulate spin on it shit's all fucked up man like yeah. <laughs> it's just you know, people are, are, are. Let's just start with this. The police are known for for four th- four words: to protect and serve. Mm-hmm. That's what they're known for, yeah. right? And so, it's a tragedy whenever they have to discharge their service weapon in the line of duty, and it's a, and it's a tragedy when one of them falls in the line of duty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It's, you know, it's a tragedy when any anytime someone's life is taken from them before it's time. Yeah. Um. It's it's bad when there is what seems to be an epidemic of police shooting and killing Americans, mm-hmm. and it's it's really uh, it's at a point where Black Americans are really vexed by this. White Americans don't seem to, at least from the news, I'm not sure how White America has taken this. I, I, I'm getting mixed reviews. I don't you know. think White Americans understand what's happening. I think that's the issue. I think they look at it as news, but they have no idea, like, you know, they, I think in some ways, uh, white America looks at it and goes, well, hashtag Black Lives Matter, I'm not black, so how can I jump in on this? Um, so they, And I think so for some reason, it's like a purposeful, like, walk walking back of it. And I think there's like a, a particular, there's like a, a subtle race thing, or like, I don't know how I'm supposed to get involved. Yeah. And there's also, let's face it, racism on the other end of this. True. You know, so it's like a very passive, 
um, unwillingness to consider the issue, or maybe not unwillingness, but like uh, an ignorance in ha- of the issue versus like a blatant racism aspect. But let's just let's just talk about like why this is such a big deal this week. I mean, well, this two, all started two major with, shootings yeah. happened this week. So you have you have Alton Sterling in Louisiana who was, I mean, captured on video. Um, and I think that's what really jump makes these two jump out. Uh, and then you have um, Philando Castile in New York City, also captured on his wife's, who was, I think she was live streaming it to Facebook yeah. at the time. Yeah. So I think that's what's really making it a bigger issue is that, you know, technology has really helped to bring some of these to the forefront. I mean, people seem to think that this is some recent thing that's happened. And I mm-hmm. think it's not recent. It's just that now we have the technology tools to see how many times this actually happens. Uh, and so the Black Lives Matter group movement, from what I understand it, grew out of the fact that, hey, this is a real problem. We need to address this problem. And then we, now we have the technology tools to, to capture it, to record it. But we're still being denied justice because even though something was on videotape, as Rodney King showed, people can be exonerated and yeah. are getting away with killing people. And there's a problem. And Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess to put it into some historical context here. So you have Black Lives Matter, springing out of uh, uh, Trayvon Martin's case, or George Zimmerman's case, rather. Well, it's, but still, well, still, Trayvon Martin so, yeah. was the poster, but yeah. I, I, read it, I read it as an interesting, um, an interesting uh, sentence, was that that was Trayvon Martin being put on trial for his own murder. Yeah, exactly right. And I was like, that yeah. was really interesting. So you have like this tra- the Trayvon Martin killing and George Zimmerman, the, the, his trial. Um, the injustice that that brought on is what spurred Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, so 2013, Black Lives Matter comes out as a as an outcome of the Trayvon Martin case, but then is you know fueled even more by uh, Eric Garner in New York, Sandra Bland, mm-hmm. Sandra Bland, and like Tamir Rice, and just the list goes on and on. Yeah, and then you start to have these things, and that really just like you said, through it's just through gas on the fire, and again, technology at the forefront of this. Yeah. So I, what does I mean? I guess the question today that you know when we were talking about this, you wanted to ask. And I'll let you ask it because this is kind of your, you know, um, well, I would have phrased it differently, but I feel like the way you put it is actually like. My question is, in light of the last two shootings on video, in light of um, uh, Ferguson and what happened there in Baltimore, what happened there with Freddie Gray, do black lives matter to America? Yeah. You know, and I think we have to phrase it in that that really stark way because. Clearly, there's something you like about us, but there clearly is something that you don't like about us. And so we have to figure out how our lives matter to you. And so if we look at this from a historical perspective, I mean, clearly we have to say we have to go back to the roots of slavery, right? Um, We have to go back to Jim Crow. We have to go back to sort of even our leaders, Teddy Roosevelt, talking about taming the lesser races. You know, our leaders, our elected leaders have sort of done this. And and more recently, the sort of subtle... Um, subtle racism of you know low expectations of dismissal of of uh, of segregation uh, you know de facto segregation so there's a lot at play here and so we have for every Jay Z for every Dr Dre billionaire you know there's thousands of other blacks who don't have it so good yeah and so you know do their lives matter and I would say yes but I would say most most Americans I'm not sure yeah. Well, I think that it's it's interesting you ask, like, do Black Lives Matter? And kind of just not to get too much into, like, in a historical, like, you could answer that in a historical way. And you could say, yes, Black Lives Matter, but um, the way in which they've matter have changed over centuries. So it's like, back in the day, it was like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, because I bought that slave, and I paid good money for <laughs> yeah, it. His life didn't so much matter as it was your investment in like, his yeah, ability right. to 
So it's just like, and then you look at like how that's changed. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's crazy to me, but I also think that there's a, there's an odd bit to this where, um, uh, when you think about, you know, do black lives matter and like, how do people view that issue? It's almost like, it's like people are segregated on it. Yeah. I I kind of talked about it earlier, right? It's like white people, I think some white people who are like are well-intentioned, like just have no idea like how to actually do it. You know, like how do you get out there and talk about black lives matter? How do you be an ally? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, because, you know, because I've seen it like both ways, like I have, you know, talked with, I like, I 100% support black lives matter. Like, I think racism is ridiculous. Like I grew up in Georgia, like, you know, and for us, like racism in Georgia is like a lot different. We talked about some podcasts before. It's like, you know, who's racist in Georgia and like racist have friends, but they're only other racist people. Yeah. It's like Sugar Hill, Georgia is like all KKK because they've been flushed out of every other town. And, you know, Georgia was at like the forefront of racism a lot, you know, because Georgia leading the way in racism. Well, it's like Martin Luther King was kind of (laughs) like, he's buried there. It's kind of like the legacy of like, trying to come up with a, a, a like a, a, um, a an integrated city is like right there in Atlanta yes so it's 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 a different perspective but it is interesting that um, people white people don't understand how to get involved and and how do you you know try to be an ally with something that you have no experience with and in fairness though I mean we were sort of sending mixed messages and I say we sort of the 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 african-american we the black we like because often we'll say hey listen we want you to be an ally but you know we want you to listen to us and let our voices be heard but also we want you to to make some changes and i think i think it's confusing to to white people to understand like what is it we mean i think we by saying that we acknowledge that we have limited power right you just have a lot of power you have a lot of privilege and power and influence and people that you know and i think it's one thing for us to talk about race issues to each other yeah. It's one thing for white people to talk about race issues to each other and do something about it. And I think that's what we're saying when we say we want you to be an ally. We want to we want to have our voice heard. We want to be recognized. But, you know, you guys are in positions to make changes. Let's just let's let's cash the check that we wrote back in 1965. So let's mm-hmm. let's make that change, right? Yeah. Well, I think too it's um it's really interesting, right? Like, okay, so like I'm going to say this and this is going to be controversial because it is everywhere on social media. Yeah. I think there are people who are well-meaning yeah. that use all lives matter. And I think that's the issue. I think those are the people that you need to reach. Yeah. Those are the people who, who are, are misguided. And it's like, it's like, show, like what does the comedian say? That's like showing up to a funeral going, I too have known loss. This isn't yeah. about you. This no, is it's not, not about you. No, it's not. Right. So I, you know, I, I had, I, I was, I was looking at this all lives matter thing the other day and it just like drove me insane. Yeah. Because I feel like this is where, and we've talked about this before with like yeah. Black Lives Matter, where both I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but at least like at you know where we're like out getting yeah, drinks yeah, or something. Yeah. But like, you know, Black Lives Matter is such a good. They've done such a great job on branding it to like it's a message that is so clever, yeah, so well put together, but like maybe too clever. No, I think it, I think it's the. For, for, as two communicators sitting here, we respect the branding. It's it's strong. It's concise. Yeah. It's simple. It's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it gets the point across. And it's it's supposed to make you a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it's supposed to make people a little uncomfortable because yeah. it's 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 standing up. Historically, whenever people have stood up for themselves, we call them insurgents. It's true, right? Yeah. So like so when you stand up for yourself, and you know we're not. This is what democracy is supposed to look like. It's it's the voice of the minority 
taking up, you know, taking taking to the streets or, or or petitioning or doing whatever it is to have their issues addressed. This is exactly what democracy is supposed to happen. Yeah. But when in America, though, when a when a marginalized group does it, somehow they're being radical or we use words like um, they're being aggressive or, you know, it's coded words that just really are, are there to diminish them. And I think Black Lives Matter is about saying, listen, you know. It's like it's like black girls rock. It's like saying, hey, you know, we have a stake. We have a just as much of a right to live as you do. Doesn't mean that we're better. Doesn't mean that we're worse. It just means like our lives are important as well. Like yeah. as you go through your day, hug a black person. That's what. That's, <laughs> yeah. But see, that's the thing, though, right? Like as we hear about like, no, and this is the other interesting thing about like, you know, when I, I when I when I listen to people talk about like Black Lives Matter, and and again, I'm not like bashing the movement. It's like the movement is bringing a lot of like well needed awareness to yeah. you know not even just like violence like not even like police violence which is where this started but just like race issues in general yeah because their website they go to great lengths to say like violence but also like prison reform but also like you know they they mention this in a black context but yeah. like you know black lgbt and uh you know trans yeah. people like they're really stepping it's a it's it 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 gets all of these issues you know involved it's sort of like um, the evolution of what the NAACP should have evolved to become yeah and let's just be honest that's what well, it should have evolved to become but the thing is though it's like like you just said right the fact that you would say like you know do all lives matter well i mean we know you just said you may yeah, i was making point. a sardonic point yeah, well no but, but it, it's a good point but do all lives matter like obviously i don't think anybody would say that like there is a life that's worth less than another life of course we but, always talk about time traveling back to kill hitler true <laughs> but but like i've never heard like anybody from like the black lives matter movement put it that way because the way i look at it is i go like this is like all right so i was at home i was in georgia i went and visited my family so, you know and my grandmother god bless her is just from a different generation she grew up in the mountains in north carolina yeah. no black people whatsoever in this town <laughs> like i think she didn't see her first black person until i think she was like, like real live person yeah until okay. it was like it was like in her like late teens Wow. You know, okay. and this is how secluded they were. So she comes from a different place in every time. I'm not saying that her racism is like justified. I'm just saying that like having a race conversation with my grandmother, who's like going, not going to be alive much longer yeah. is like, it's delicate. <laughs> so like, I can't, yeah, I don't want to like look at my grandmother and be like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, you, you racist yeah, skank. Uh, understood. You understood. Yeah. So, yeah. but like, you know, she was like, I just don't understand this black lives matter stuff. I don't understand. Yeah you know, what, what all this means and like, why, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, and I explained it kind of like when I was trying to like be subtle and I was like, it's not that black people in this movement are saying that their lives matter more. Yeah. What they are saying, it's inherent in the black lives matter movement that all lives do matter asterisk, but black lives seem to matter less. Yes. That's what That's the exactly movement's right. saying. Exactly right. But I've never heard anybody say that, and it's not on the website. And I feel like if that was the point, if they if that was just like a communicative point, then like that would maybe alleviate some of these things. I, say, I, I think I think that's that's a that is. If we say all lives matter, if the conversation's over, you guys walk away. People walk away and go, okay, yeah, you, we agree, and then we ignore. And they ignore. That our is issue. true. Oh, so, this is so just another saying, black person complaining using their race as a exactly yeah. right. So, but if we say Black Lives Matter and we leave it there and let you figure it out, then the conversation can still continue. Yeah. But like, you know, it's like whenever we say, why don't Muslims denounce other Muslims? It's like, that's not their job. It's like their job uh, is yeah. to continue to be a good human being. Sure. There's bad people in every group. Right. But it's not our job to say, 
you know, to call them out. Uh, it's it's our job to say unless we're like we've sworn to do that. <laughs> but yeah. Like, but like it's it's you know it's not our job to make you comfortable. It's like yeah, sure, yeah, we all agree all lives matter. But in this instance, these people are being singled out. So let's bring attention to their lives. True. That's what this is about. Now that's a good point. Yeah. I mean that's that's but you know in talking with my grandmother that's how I explained it to her. I was like, it's not that they're saying that black lives matter more. They're saying all lives matter equally, but it just seems that black lives matter yeah. less. You know. Yeah. Um, and I did, I tried to get to the privilege argument with her, <laughs> which was like didn't work because she grew up in the mountains in Georgia again. Well, in North Carolina, uh, but like, Oklahoma, but sorry. again, like dirt poor like mountain family. Yeah. You know, it's like to her she was just like. To try to, like, explain to her, like, because I'm not black. I didn't grow up black. I understand that, like, you know, my upbringing was not, like, it was poor, like, a, like you know, a super like, not you, wealthy upbringing. So, like, you know, growing up in the deep south. But, like, I understand that, like, you know, the fact that I'm where I am has to have some fact that, like, when I show up to a job and they look at my resume, my it says Nick on it. Yeah. It doesn't say like Jamal. Let's say Jamal. Let's say Jamal. Like, like that's it do, yeah, right. It, I have like the widest sounding name on the planet, and I understand that you know my skin color has been something that like will put people at ease when I walk into a room. Yeah, like and me, like I'm I'm six one two forty. Like I am aware that as a large black man, like I immediately can put people off. Yeah. Oh, like if I'm in, God forbid, I'm in the elevator or at a parking garage with some tiny white woman and i'm going oh my god i have to I have to worry about her safety now and it's just yeah i totally get it man it's just how it works yeah so how do, so how do we segue into um like talking about privilege because i think we, we you can't talk about this issue while talking about privilege and, and and by privilege i mean like the privilege to not care yeah see i don't know man i mean i don't know how you talk about that the only thing i can think of uh, my, a comment on privilege that i i can make is that I will use this time to chastise the all eyes matter kind of hashtag yeah. because it's like, you know, I I may have had a Twitter rant the other day. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but I did. Okay. And it was just like, you know, look, if you say, if you're white and you're tweeting about all lives matter, you are letting the world know how, how much you misunderstand your privilege. Yeah. Yes. You know, the fact that like you can actually make that statement saying all lives matter to you it just puts you in a position to be like, like you're already looking down yes. on something yep. from your, that's like, it is, it is, it, it's people who just underestimate their privilege, yeah. you know? Um, and that's where I think um, the conference, like, you know, I, I don't know how you handle privilege. Privilege and bias go hand in hand. So I think well, we yeah. have to have the privilege and bias conversation. I'm like, like, I'm sorry, you were going to say about, well, I was going to bring up this Washington post, hmm. this, uh, you know, this, all right. So was a clear example of privilege. So in North Carolina, a man, um, it was arrested after having waved a gun at police. To be clear, white man. You have to say white that. White man. Yeah. White man. An older gentleman. Mm -hmm. But this man had an altercation with the police, had a gun, waved the gun at the police. And, um, the police wrestled the gun from him. I'm talking like close range. Yeah. Took like wrestled the gun from this man. Right. Think about what that means. They were at one point, they were at a separate spot in the room. Mm -hmm. He pulled a gun. They closed distance and took and took a gun from him and arrested him. And he didn't have any injuries. And he had, yep, he didn't have any injuries. Yeah. And now he's, his lawyers are writing letters saying insanity. 
and we're probably going to see another person who, you know, another white person go through the system and probably get a far more lenient sentence than a black person would, considering that the sentence for a black person in that case would have been the death penalty, but an extrajudicial yeah. death penalty. He yeah. would have been shot. Yeah. And I think like that's privilege, like at like at its height. It's a and very I, good example. And I don't think that like people understand like where does that privilege come from? It's like why do we have it? And I don't think anybody understands where that is. And I think I think your point about Black Lives Matter now makes more sense to me is that like if you try to say all lives matter, yeah, it doesn't. You don't get. It's not as strong, but it also doesn't get straight to the point. Here's another good example. Um, remember that little girl whose parents killed her uh, that we think her parents killed her remember her name John Bonnet Ramsey yeah um, remember that black girl who disappeared a couple years ago remember her name no exactly ah exactly right good point we know everything about John Bonnet we know everything about Natalie Holloway we know everything every single one we know but yeah. you know the last black girl that was missing that got any type of national news was was Rudd right and so like and that was I think maybe that was just DC area <laughs> that, yeah. that got some news but like we don't know that. And that's when we're, we're reinforced constantly that black lives don't matter by the media because we get wall-to-wall coverage of things that Prince George does. That's the, that's the point. You know, when we talk about like, I mean, in, in talk, like talk about privilege and bias again, like remember the Hunger Games? So when Hunger Games came out, the movie, after the books were wildly popular, there was a character um, called Rue, right? And then Rue was played by a very, very uh, bright um, young woman, Amanda Steinberg. Uh, very sharp, very very bright, but and then her character died. Spoiler if you haven't seen the movie. Her character dies in the movie. People were tweeting like, "It's not spoilers for it, by the way." Well, you know, <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie by this point, but but you know, it, people were tweeting that they didn't feel as bad that she died because she was black. Yeah, which I found horrendous. We're talking like hundreds of tweets. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it, it's so so you know, we get back to the question of do Black Lives Matter? It, it seems to black people, yes. But to many other people, I'm not so sure. I don't know that that's the issue. I don't think that there is like a, a mark that you can kick off and say this is the moment where I make uh, like racism became like you said vote. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't. I don't think there's a moment you can say that 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 happened. Um, I'm going to go back on my comments. If it was purely purely about race, like the path to a solution might seem like if it was an overt racist issue, like the solution would be a little bit more like you see light at the end of the tunnel. But the fact is, though, is this is all very subtle. I, w- I would say Trump is not subtle. No, I would say Fox I mean, News is not subtle. No, Fox News is not subtle. But like, look at where these shootings take place. Like you said, New Orleans, Louisiana, the first time in a long time in the '60s and the '50s, lynchings were common and yeah. they were never prosecuted. No, you know, you could be a black man walking down the street and just be black. Yeah. you could have a good job as a black man in yeah. the '50s or '60s. You could actually be a respectable member of some communities, and you just walk down the wrong street at the wrong time, and you're strung up in a tree. Yeah. You know, and that stuff would not go, you know, that stuff would not go unpunished. But that but changed. It did. Well, it changed in the South because they, again, the federal government cracked down hard on the South. That never happened anywhere else in the country, really. Hmm. Happened in LA, but it didn't happen when? The Rodney King got the shit beat out yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. On and camera. They, on camera. And then the four officers were acquitted. Well, and they held the, the trial in an all white community. And then, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. so you have that happening, what, 30 years after? Yeah. The South has already been like, all right, we get it. You're going to cut our subsidies for highway maintenance yeah. if we don't get on board. You know, we get a lot of federal, you know, stimulus from, yeah. and then that became an issue. But you see things in like Ohio, 
you know, where like, you know, yeah. uh, what, what was the, the kid who got shot? Tamir Rice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you see these things happening in like Minnesota and you see these things happening like in other places that were, let's just say the North. And you don't think of when you think of racism. So the issue is oh, that it's, like, it's Boston. Come on. Boston. Ridiculous. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It's like you, you think about like <laughs> yeah. this and it's not that like it's not overt. The, the problem is that like we have never actually sat down. It's kind of like, you know, when you when you people joke and say like you get upset and like, I'm just going to shove this down deep until it turns into cancer. That's what we've done with race. Yeah. But like in the South, at least people have like had to for me, it was like I was always raised you know, in school, you know, to say like, and we were very, my, my school was not at all. It was very integrated. There mm-hmm. were tons, lots of different people. It's very diverse. So like when I, when I look back at that and how I was raised, it was like, to me, it was never like, it was like, Oh, I understand that. Like, it doesn't matter if this person's black or white, which yeah. sounds crazy because I grew up in the South. Yeah. But then I can only imagine what it's like to grow up in like areas of the country where it's, you know, homogenous, where it's really just a whole bunch of white people living with other people. Yeah. I met a guy from Arizona who was like, I did not meet a black person until I moved to Tennessee. Yeah, I, I, I met kids in college who had never been around any black people. Yeah. And I'm like, see, that's where racism is, because it's like those people like, you know, again, you shove it down. Like you, well, you don't care about people you don't care about. That's the bottom line. Well, yeah. Right? And you don't. And like, the, why, why can't we have that discussion about like the fact that America is a racist country? nobody's being forced to deal with that racism. Yeah. I mean, America has been racist from the beginning. I mean, they came over here and basically kicked the Indians off their land. I mean, that's, that's the first overt act of just like, yeah. Genocide, potentially racism. I mean, that's, I mean, the country was founded on, we're too radical for England. England's like, Hey, you guys got to (laughs) go. Yeah. And so the, you know, these Puritans came over here and they started this country and they took it from other people who were already here. So, and then, and you know, we took Texas from the Mexicans and like uh, the, the Chinese built the railroads and blacks through slavery built everything. And it's like America has, has, has been built upon racism. Yeah. And so like, you can't undo 230 plus years of that in the last 60. It's impossible to undo that. And, and for people who say things like slavery was like, you know, like a hundred years ago. No, it wasn't. It was like my grandmother's mother. You know, like it's not that, that long true, yeah. ago. Yeah, if you think about it, it's like my great great. Well, you're you're yeah, you're older than me, but it is crazy. It's not that far. Away. No, my great 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 grandfather fought in the Confederacy. You know, right? So if you think about it, you're one generation removed from me. You, I mean, you're right. Like this is like you could potentially have you spoken to somebody whose parents were slaves. Exactly right. You know, and that is crazy to me. Yeah. And so like so, so but here's what happened though. Uh, in the in the whole Jim Crow South and sort of movement to the civil rights era, so let's say from like let's say from like the fifties to the seventies, let's go twenty years, right? So you had massive change in this section of the country. The rest of the country was like, oh, we're all fine, we're fine, but we're not. So massive change. You had the end of the segregated water fountains and bathrooms, and so what that did was that it, it bred a lot of contempt, you know, over the years. It really Can't did. Shove it down. You shove Cancer. it down. Yeah. I mean, and so you is... act out and act on that in different ways. Yeah. Well, you use every opportunity. I mean, it's true. It's like it's like it's like when you're in a bad relationship and you never talk. Yeah. You know, instead of like working at your problems, you come home every day and it's like, how was your day? It was fine. And you get in your routine. You, you walk in the door. You go grab your beer from the fridge. You sit down on the couch and turn on football and yep. you just sit there and watch TV and you don't ever talk. And every little thing that that person and, does. And every little. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where we are now. Granted, now, to be to clarify. 
We are not saying that Black Lives Matter is taking advantage of every little thing that happen. That's not no, what but we're what we're saying is, is it's easy to write off a group of people to say every little thing that they do drives you crazy because you don't have to deal with it. Well, which because is you why, don't deal with well, it. Well, which is, again, well, I think that's the, the problem with this all lives matter. And let's just let's say it openly. It's what's the problem with white people. It's like now it's like there is a lot of contempt that is kind of like spilled over. And then you look at it and it's like, well, now, oh, black lives matter. Really? And yeah. then like everything becomes like, you know. Yeah. It's like what my grandmother said when she was talking about it. There is contempt there. And uh, she was like, well, if black people didn't commit so many crimes. And it's like, that's first off. <laughs> not yeah. not true so he's speaking absolutely not true yeah. yeah and we can get into the numbers too if you want like you know that's not true you have like you know the majority of crimes in the united states are committed by white people white people are 62 percent of the country bottom it's, line boom percent so when you have yeah more than half the country is white yeah so mathematically <laughs> yeah. it's like you know unless like it, you're going to see more crimes be committed by white people right so black people are what percentage but, of black people? 13%, but actually are, have a higher rate of conviction than white people, almost two to one. See, that's the crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so like for my grandmother, it's like, well, if black people weren't committing so many crimes, and this is the example of like taking every little thing and like having that being bred out of contempt and the fact that, you know, her life was drastically changed yeah. because of civil rights. Yeah. I mean, granted, she moved to the, she moved to Atlanta, you know, in the middle of, you know, my dad was born in, what, 62? Yeah. So she was in Atlanta in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, so her life was completely altered and by civil rights, you know, and not in like that I'm like trying to like get sympathy for this woman. I'm, I'm not saying... Well, she's I'm a product saying, of her time, right? Yeah, she's a product of her time. But like, you know, what was it that like, what was it Obama was speaking at Howard, right? And he gave a speech... The Howard's that, commencement, yeah. And I thought, man, I thought that was like, he said something, it was like, and he kind of called out Howard and was like, don't like yes racism's bad this is me being a terrible to paraphrase but like think about how hard it is for the seven-year-old white man to like have who grew up in a very specific time to have his world change to, to him he has to to him it seems like he's losing things yes you know? there's a quote that i've been seeing on the internet a lot and to the to i mean despite my best efforts i can't find an author of the quote it seems to be unknown a lot of people have used it i've seen people tweet it um but the quote is to to someone who has been privileged all their life. Equality feels like oppression. And I feel like that's the sentiment that's behind Trump, that's behind the anti-immigration stuff, that's behind All Lives Matter. It's that sentiment. It's like people feel like by lighting someone else's candle, somehow their candle is being diminished. And that's exactly the opposite of what's happening. Yeah. And so, it, you know, so so how does that, so let, let's, let's pull this back to the whole like, the death issue. Because I mean, because we're, I think we're veered off into the whole like racism writ large issue. Yeah. But like, as it applies to death, right? We're talking about police officers. And again, and this is not going to be an anti-police rant because the police serve a valuable function. Um, it, it is about people who, are, however, are sworn to protect and serve, but protect and serve whom? Yeah. And, and time after time, it's like the, the, the officers, they, they will say, I feared for my life or I feared for whatever. And my question has always been, and again, this, is, this may get me in trouble, but I, this is a legitimate question for me. If you're so fearful, why would you sign up to be a cop? Yeah, no, it's a good point. <laughs> we talked about like they talk about cops and like violence and cops who say like they fear for their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, it it's crazy because these they trained for that, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna point back to this article about uh you know the guy in North Carolina, William Ray on White County, North Carolina. I mean, you know, one of the interesting things here, and this is a quote from the article, is it says, as a deputy, you don't 
ever know what to expect when you're approaching something like that. So your training kicks in. Yeah. I don't think that the cops who kill, you know, black men are trained to kill black men. Well, I mean, you never know by looking at their targets that they shoot and the videos that they shoot. You know, yeah. Like, well, and this, well, let me read this next part of this. Go ahead. The next part of this article here, um, where it just, it, 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 it drives me absolutely crazy. This is Sheriff Donnie Harrison, right? So he's commenting on um, on this. And he says, uh, as a deputy, you don't ever know what to expect when you're approaching something like that. So your training kicks in. And of course, when the gun came up, it was automatic to get that gun away from him. And he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Amazing how that works, right? Right? And to me, it was like, is it automatic to get the gun away? Because from my perception of cops, it's that like, you know, for them, I, I have a mindset that like anything that would endanger a cop warrants you to get shot. You're you're, you're trying to de-escalate and control, yeah. not to terminate. That's not your job. You're not Judge Dredd out there meeting, you know, meeting justice to people at the end of a gun. That's not your job. Yeah. Well, then it, then it goes that this goes back to your point. Like I feared for my life. Should we be like selecting cops a little bit uh, like better? Like should we be saying like you know look. How do you do that? Because and this is the, this is the issue. The only other person I could think that could keep a cool head as a police officer in a stressful situation is guess who it would be? Military. Military. But those guys but are not th- trained for that. They're not trained for that. They're not trained for that. And who do we hire and put in police forces? L- former military. Ex- a lot of military. Yeah. It's like it's just it's a, it's a cycle that we need to so like what do you do? And this is nothing. I mean, about, it's not a, in fairness, there aren't many transferable skills to the infantry. Let's just be honest. Well, yeah. And, this <laughs> is, and again, Eric, if you're my, if we're listening, any veterans listening, anybody wants to yeah, look at the task. Former, yeah. Eric's a former U.S. Army Ranger. Yeah. It's kind of a badass. So it's like I would we I but our but our but saying it's different though. We're trained to view any potential situation in a foreign land as potentially hostile and then we're there to neutralize it. Doesn't mean we're there to terminate people, we're there to control the situation. That's what we do. Our training is, is, is you know, rangers are, you know, infrastructure seizure. That was our job. Lock down infrastructure, control the environment. It wasn't to terminate with extreme prejudice and express fear. Now granted, you know, there's guys out there in the desert right now. I didn't have the privilege of serving in Iraq or Afghanistan, but there's guys out there who will tell you it gets rough. People running up to you, someone could have bombs strapped to them. You take all precautions. But you don't look for ways to use your service weapon. That's not what you're there for. You're there in hopes that you never have to use it. Yeah. And it's cops. I think it should be a badge of honor to retire off the force, never having fired a shot. Oh, exactly. That's a successful policeman right yeah. there. Well, you know what is interesting? I was thinking about this today. Like, I was coming over here to record the episode, and I started to think about, you know, um, well, what, what is it about police then that makes this happen? And I remember when I was in Nashville, um, I was living in Nashville, and had a buddy of mine who applied to be a Metro Nashville police officer. And um, he applied to be a Metro Nashville, Nashville police officer. And uh, I got a call because, you know, from the police department, it's like, hey, he applied. We'd like to interview you as part of the process because they interview, like, people that are around you to make sure you're yeah. not crazy. Um, so I, you know, was, like, talking to him. And I remember saying, hey, I got your call from the from uh, MPD. Like, that's, you know, good job, oh, man. Yeah. Like, you know, it looks like you might be getting this thing. That's cool. Um, I was like, so what, what are your plans? He's like, well, I'm going to move away. I'm going to move to, you know, out to, out to Murfreesboro. And, and everyone's like, well, Murfreesboro is like, it's like 45 minutes away from Nashville. And I, and, and, and I, I look back on that and think like, what's the issue with that? You're policing. You're, uh, you're an you, occupying. You're an occupant. You, you, yeah. you are an <laughs> occupant. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what were, what did police used to be? It, now community police, community police. Yeah. And now granted the image I'm going to throw up, I recognize 
is wrought with corruption. Yeah. But I think about like the Irish cop in New York. Yeah. Walking the just, beat cop. The yeah. beat cop. Yeah. Walking the block, spinning his billet club. Hey, top of the morning to you. you yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, but, house, whatever. But it was someone who knew the people. Exactly. Knew what was going on and, and could, could actually relate to what's going on. Yeah. But you have cops who police areas that they don't live in. They have no vested interest in. Exactly. That's and and, and look at it, you look at it that way. It's like yeah. I would use myself as an example, right? Like today, I was in my office. I work in my office, but I don't live in my office. No. So like I took, I put, I made tea. I took my tea bag, put it in my coffee, dipped it. I couldn't sound more pretentious and white right now, <laughs> so I described making tea. I, take I think your audience knows how to make tea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I take I take my 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 the little wrapper that the tea came in and i shoot it because that's what i do like throw it across the room see if i can land in the trash can didn't make it okay and i was like i could walk over and pick that up but you know what i'm not going to i know that's lazy that's privilege too <laughs> and that is privilege but also there's a disconnect there i yeah. work there like it's not but i but you know what when i go every single morning i make my bed yeah Really? Every single morning. I love that. Every single morning I make my bed. Before I go to sleep, I take all of my clothes, I fold them, I put them in my, my closet. Like, it's just one of those things where would I do that at work? And I think it's kind of like the same thing. Would, yeah. a, would a cop yeah. fold his laundry in this in a city where he doesn't work? Yeah. You know? And then I feel like, what would happen if, like, you know, you're the beat cop working in a town and you pull over a black guy and then, you know, you're like, oh, you're so and so's whoever, or like, oh, right? I know yeah. you. I yeah. know you. Hey, I pulled you. Like, use, let's use uh, uh, Castillo as an example. Yeah. Like, look, man, your taillights out. Yeah. Fix that. Okay. Have a good one. And then, like, if you had that connection to the community and those people, yeah. it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Let's like, it's 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 like working. It's it's like it's it's, it's like when you have your high school job, yeah. at like wherever, and your friends come in and you give them free stuff at your yes. high school job. You have a connection because yes. you like you have a vested interest in the community if you live there. Exactly. You want it to be good. You want it to be better. You want to know want people to know each other. You want people to know you. But if you don't live there, you don't care. Yeah. You don't take the time to get to know people. I think that's that's absolutely a problem. But then like what do you do then? Like if you have like a community that's predominantly black, like do you do, hire do, do you see the do you see the video of the cop in DC who was out jumping rope and like in a rap oh, battle with the yeah. kids? I remember or the kids that. were out shooting basketball and the cop instead of breaking up, he shot some hoops with them. That's how yeah. you build that rapport. You don't you don't roll up and go, hey, you break this up or I'm going to shoot you. That's just stupid. Yeah, you know you, you can't hire bullies to be cops. You need to hire people who know actually have people skills. You know that's true though because like think about it like you know driving by and like for example like DC like I don't you know we are in the DMV we're in DC right yeah. like we they're in DC all the time like. I, I don't know that much. I've never had an encounter other than the freaking parking tickets, which are ridiculous in D.C. <laughs> but I've never had like an experience with D.C. cop. But you do hear about these things, but D.C. cops doing incredible things with community, like yeah. getting out there and like, like you said, jumping rope and like showing at a basketball court and like shooting hoops or, or shooting hoops or like having like rap battles yeah. or like doing like like things that get you engaged. But you can only imagine what it might look like if like you're the cop who lives like, you know, an hour and a half away or an hour away and you show up into the inner city and yeah. you see a group of black dudes on a basketball court and they're not playing basketball. And then you go, what are you doing here? And you're like, this is where we hang out. Yeah. We're not doing anything. We're yeah. talking. We're in a city. About, it's not like there's a park right here. You yeah. know, it's like, and you, and you got to imagine like 
that's that thing where you don't understand that. Where if you live there, you might drive by and be like, what's up, guys? Yeah. Wave at them and go, and, and you there's, you know exactly what they're doing. Exactly like, right. And you actually might know them by name. And you might know, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I feel like it, that there's just, it, it, there's lots of different things here where I think, I think we've veered off course again. Yeah. But I think the, the point remains people like people that they know. You know what I mean? It's if you can relate to someone, you advocate for them. But if you feel like you can't relate and you're distanced and you're removed and you're separated from people, you don't connect to them. So the question of do black lives matter to people who know black people? Yes. People who don't know black people and never interact with them? Probably not so much. And they might even not. And this is the thing. They might not even know that black lives don't yeah. matter to them. And I think that's where some of the stuff is like, because I don't think like the majority of white people are like, let's kick black people out of the United States or right. like, yeah. let's whatever. I think it's just like, it's again, it's, it's like, it's like the, it's like the, the, the people that you've met that have never met black people until they yeah. go to college. It's like, until you go and you get those connections, like you don't understand, you know, I mean, I grew up in hip hop Mecca, yeah. like, you know, like, you know, like my whole, like, you know, I was like, the, was one of two black dudes on my high school basketball or white dudes, yeah. one of two white guys on my high school basketball team. It was like, I never got into hip hop, but like, you know, you, was, you were around it. Yeah. But I was around it. And like, I grew for an appreciation of it yeah. and like hearing like them talk about it and then like being with like, okay, talk about race. I just want to the difference in the world to know people. Well, yeah. I'll t- yeah. Just, just, and just like a, a great example of this, right? Exactly what we're talking about. And I want to get back to black lives matter, but like, this is just a story that just demonstrates like when you aren't connected with people. Yeah. I was playing, I was in, I was in high school and it was an invite only basketball tournament. And my school got invited to go play. And this had never happened for, like, my school. Like, we had, we had our little league that we, you know, a little circuit that we played in. Yeah. Um, but it was a, it was farther south. It was in Gainesville, Georgia, right? So we go – and, again, two white people in the basketball team. Me and my brother are, like, the only two white people on the basketball team. So we show up, and there's ten of us, yeah. right? You know, eight black guys, two white guys. And we walk in, and uh, this community is, like, two hours outside of Atlanta – and uh, very southern, very rural. Gotcha. And uh, we show up, and they're playing Dixie on the loudspeakers. Oh, <laughs> really? That's yeah. So we like walk in, and we're like to the court, and they're playing Dixie, right? And like my coach was a very like, I mean, he he was like he understood that growing. In, it was a private high school, right? So he understood that like you know, I want all of my guys to look put together. Yeah. And he was like, I want you to look professional. Well, he was really saying, and I remember talking to him about this when I, you know, after I stopped playing, you know, it was like, what I really wanted was for the black house on the team to not catch flack for showing up and looking And for him. It was like, now it's kind of a bad way to look at it. Like you should have dress everyone on dress, but he went the extra links to say like, I don't want them to be viewed as thugs when they show up at a yeah. basketball game. So, you know, we always had our shirts tucked in. We always, you know, like yeah. it was a very athletes strict. wear suits when they travel. Yeah. As NFL grown men, they make yep. them wear suits because so, exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, when we showed up at these things, it was like, you know, he wanted everybody, he didn't want there any chance to like, they would be perceived like, Oh, here's these guys from Norcross yeah. showing up. And Norcross is like a predominantly like, you know, black and Hispanic town. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, like, yes, you know, yeah. low, here's the stereotypes. But they were playing Dixie when we walk in. Right. And I remember in and his thing was we were first time we'd gotten invited and people were skeptical that whether or not we would do well. Yeah. So the soft racism of low expectations. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, I started and, you know, it was me. And then, you know, again, four black guys on the court. Yeah. And my coach was like, look, like, I want to prove a point that we're here to play and that we can beat these. We can beat these teams. And he goes, I want you to press. Like, just start the game half court pressing. Because yeah. in, in, the, in the league, we, you were playing. You couldn't full court press 
past halftime. Okay. So it was like it was against. So you can only full court press after the half. Okay. So it was like I want you to I want, keep in mind you're explaining basketball to a black guy who does not follow basketball. Okay. So this is new to me. Anyway, See? here we okay, go. So we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about playing man. I don't know basketball is what I'm saying. So it's like it's a man on man defense. I, I get it. I, okay. I get it from football. I got yeah. it. So man on man defense, like the entire length of the court, essentially. Like as soon as they pass the ball in from yeah. their end, like everybody's on their man, and you're trying to keep them from making passes. It's okay. like very like in gotcha. your face basketball. So he was like. Play. He's like, well, as soon as they cross the half court, you're manning up and you're manning up hard. Like, don't let them. And as soon as the half's over, we're gonna full court press. We're gonna let them know in this first game that we're here to we're here for business, yeah. right? So I play, um, I play, I start, I play. We press and we blow them out, right? Sixty four to ten by the time the game's wow. over, and just destroy this team. And again, like I get pulled out, right? And uh, I go sit on the bench, and they put another guy in. His name was Corey Gordon. I don't know if Corey Gordon listens, but Corey Gordon, shout out. <laughs> Big, tall, skinny, black guy, but like just the fastest dude, like the fastest, like six foot six dude you've ever met in your entire wow, life. Yeah. Like, you know, so like they put him in to like play a faster game because the other team had like put their guards in. They were playing like more guards to be faster than us because yeah. we played a big man. Anyways, so like they put him in. I go sit down. And as soon as it's an all black five, you start hearing a dude from the, the crowd just call your dogs off. Because we're full court pressing. Yeah. Call your dogs off. Call your dogs off. And that wow. became the call. And like, and then it's so like the game's over. My coach is like, again, he's, he's, it was always like very conscious of like, I don't want to be viewed as thugs. Yeah. So he let it roll off his shoulders. And then we got kicked out of the tournament for being unsportsmanlike because we pressed too much. Interesting. Yeah. So, and my coach at this point was like, so you can, we walk in here to Dixie. Yeah. You know? Do 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 do. Yeah, that's a, that's a sending a message. A Confederate yeah. marching song. Yeah, we walk into that, and then we get called dogs as soon as the All Black Five yeah. on the court. We get called dogs, and then kicked out of the tournament. Kicked out of the tournament aggressive. because we were too aggressive yeah. and unsportsmanlike. He was like, "That doesn't make any sense." Like, there's you know, and then we he took it. He took it yeah. very proud, and it or took it real well and left. But again, these are people who never had like they were all white fives right. on the other team, so we never had to expect like they never had to play against all, like an all black team, you know. And it was just, it's really interesting when you don't live in your community. That was a really long explanation of the story, but it's just like, but it's how you made it personal. I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, this is like how, you know, it was just outrageous. It's like, we were just playing the game to win the game. Yeah. You know, but just talk, so let's bring it back to black lives matter. Right. And you talk about like making it personal and like connecting with people. Yeah. I think that's something that, you know, with black lives matter, maybe, Maybe that should be done. Maybe that should be done more. Like, I don't know. Should should there be a discussion, right? So, like, Black Lives Matter is all about, like, getting in your face and saying, like, there is an issue here, and we're going to address this issue. Um, but you mentioned earlier, racism takes time to fix, you know? Well, yeah. Ra- I mean, ra- I mean we, we but the, the weird thing is... So like, is we, we, so, like, is it right for Black Lives Matter? And, again, we might get comments from this, but that's fine. I'm I hope asking. we do. I hope people talk to I, us. No, this. I mean, yeah. I want to hear their comments too. And I'm, and if, if this is like a negative comment on me, that's fine. But like, is it right? And I say this like as a white person, is it right for black lives matter to assume that they can enact change immediately? That's but, exactly my point. So to answer your question about, is it fair for them to expect change now? When I was a kid, I remember my grandmother sitting me down and having a talk with me about like what I shouldn't and what I shouldn't do, what I shouldn't, shouldn't do. Um, always be respectful. That whole talk that, that every black mother and father gives to their children now, every talk. Mm. Um, and I remember her saying, you know, 
but it's getting better, sweetie. It's getting better. All the old people are dying off. All those mindsets are dying off with them. That's not true. It's not true. Because the kids who were posting that comment about Hunger Games were millennials. And they're supposed to be the most liberal generation ever. Yeah. But they're the most racist. They're coming. They're, they're proving themselves to be among the most racist generation yeah. ever. They feel disenfranchised. And so when people feel disenfranchised, they look for scapegoats and other people. It's always happened. It's a cycle. So it's, 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 oh, it's tomorrow. It'll get better. It's, we're making progress. But we're still having firsts. We're still having first, like we're still having the first astronaut, the first black whatever. It's like, it's 2016. We should stop. We should no longer have first anymore. We should, it, should, it should be like, yeah, it's, that's, that's a secretary general. That's, that's the you know, attorney general. That's no big deal. That's the president. It's, it should be. So I think we're tired of hearing tomorrow, tomorrow, or soon, or soon. At some point, you piss or get off the pot, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. like either we commit to this or we don't. And, and, I, and to, to go back to that, we either cash the check that you wrote us, that you as in like the, the government wrote us in 1965, or we don't. But what we've instead seen is we've repealed the Voting Rights Act. We've done all these things that sort of systematically have made it more difficult, sort of Jim Crow by proxy. It's this, this uh, three strikes you're out. It's the, like, you can go to jail for, um, for, for a short term for cocaine, but like if you go in for crack, it's, you know... Yeah. Even though crack is cocaine. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. So you have all these like out of sync policies that specifically target a group of people. And it's like, okay, we're making some strides. Yes, we have Dr. Dre's a billionaire now. Yes, we have Beyonce. Yes, we have Jay-Z. Yes, we have Oprah. Yes, we have Obama. But for every one of those, like I said, it's 15,000 other people who don't have it so good. And so mm-hmm. when is when is it going to be our time? When is it going to be our time? Our, our, black people have died for this country. Uh, the Tuskegee Airmen fought in the middle of segregation to yeah. fight for the country. Like, you know, what more do we, I think we are sort of having a race-wide crisis. Like, we don't know what more we have to do. Like, what do you want from us? And and I'm saying you as in sort of like, yeah, 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 yeah. no, I get it. It's like, so what do we have to do? Do we have to, like, do we assimilate? Yes, we've done that. Do we, you know, do are we respectful? Yes, and we still get shot. So like, what is it that, it, what is it going to take for America to be over this thing where it's like, you're black, so you're bad. Like, what is it going to take? And I think we're at a point now where, let me just say this. You back anything, anything, any, any living thing into a corner, one of two things is going to happen. It's going to come out that corner and attack you, or it's going to, you know, to cower. And I feel like we, and many people feel like we've been cowering a lot. And at some point, we have to stand up for ourselves. And I think Black Lives Matter is the good, good way of saying, listen, this is the big issue. So if we have to shut down your highway, we have to block traffic, we have to make you see us as who we are. It's basically us saying, look at me, look at me. I'm a person just like you. I breathe like you. I bleed like you. I have the same concerns about my children's health and wanting to make a better life for them like you. Why can't you see that? I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to be your enemy. We're Americans. And you know, if a country attacks us, we're, we're on the front lines waving the flags like anyone else. So it's like, I don't understand why it's not just me we don't understand why no matter what we do it seems to breed this contempt and so i think black lives matter is just a way of saying listen we come in many shapes and sizes we come in many uh uh hues and 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 walks of professional and social and academic and financial life but at the core we're human just like you and we just want you to see us as a human and and i'll I'll close with this and this is a long soliloquy and i apologize i once asked my daughter a question um, she's a millennial. And I said to her, what is it you most want to be? What is it you most want to be? And she says, a blank canvas. 
In other words, she wants someone to look at her and see her for who she is, not what she is. You know, she wants to have the same benefit of the doubt as anyone else. And, and I think that struck me in a way that I was like, I can't give that to you. I can work to help to try to create things that make it possible for you to do that. But, you know, that's all the kids, that's all we want. That's all we want. We want a fair shot at life. That's it. That's the bottom. That's what Black Lives Matter is about. It's recognize that we're just like you. And all we want is the same things that you want for yourself, for your family, your children. That's it. Yeah. Not powerful, man. I mean, I can't, I, I, I'm not going to say anything else because yeah. I feel like, you know, that it, that was a great way to end it. I think, um, again, you know, if you've listened to Harley Academic, um, we would love to be a stuff you should know or how stuff <laughs> or like a how stuff works and like lay out concrete points and be like, this is like, this works because of X, Y, and Z. Or like you can do, you know, it's not like a, a self-help podcast where it's like one, two, and three gets things done, yeah. right? You know, we tackle the messy issues that don't have clear answers. We take yeah. a, you know, hardly academic approach at it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think that like if there's one thing that we can do and it's based on kind of what we talked about, um, it really is like there needs to be a conversation and we can't discount uh, what somebody's saying purely because of the fact that it's quote unquote a movement. Yeah. Just because of the hashtag doesn't mean it's any less important. It doesn't mean it's any less of a point true. that should be made. So um, I think that's what I, I did for. If I could learn anything from this or gathering from that, it's that you know we need to we need to we need to get those points across, and there needs to be a conversation. So I'm glad that we can sit down. Yeah. And you know, I, the fact that you and I can sit down is a and sign have of, been doing this for years. Yeah, yeah. Like it is is a is a sign of progress, but it's not enough to say that just like one white dude and one black dude can have a podcast talking about race. <laughs> You know, it's but like, you know what? We're actually talking about race, and that's yep. important. Yeah, most people just avoid it because it's a hard conversation. Exactly. Well, I guess, um, yeah. So we can round out this episode. I think. Yeah. Uh, I would invite anybody to say if you have any comments, um, any questions, anything that you know, any concerns or whatever, um, send those to uh, hardlyacademicdc at gmail .com. You can always follow us at hardlyacademic on Twitter. Um, we always love hearing the things that you say you know uh we if we get something from people any feedback you know we typically will try to address it write a blog about it uh do anything that we can to address those issues so we encourage your feedback yeah and we'll definitely do a blog that maybe goes into a little bit more depth on our website so hardlyacademic.com um visit our blog and comment and share and and continue the discussion you know this isn't um, a one-dimensional issue that we can wrap up in an hour or so um this is an ongoing thing that's going to take a while it's going to have some messy conversations it's going to have some you know malformed thoughts but don't be afraid to have them that's i think that's the point and i think we both admit that we make mistakes talking here and sometimes it's more emotional than factual but i think we have to be willing to put ourselves out there and learn from it and, th and that's the only way that any of us can grow so let's continue that conversation people and uh, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled comedic program next week but you know um for now let's keep on keeping on all right help me somebody